you know, when you were talking about, um, you know, Bruce Springsteen in general, like I did yeah. not realize the ghost of Tom Joad. Like mm-hmm. I learned that song from Rage Against the Machine. So when I heard the original version of it, I was like, wait, this is not the same song. Like, yeah. It's not the same song at all. Just watching Bruce Springsteen's face of hearing him play to his song. Yeah. To me, what a gift for both of them. Yeah. Right. That the, the composer should be gracious enough to let you riff on their song. And yeah. then vice versa is Bruce Springsteen's a legend. And yeah. you're playing on stage with him. That's just got to be the coolest feeling. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Springsteen train tonight, though I, he will come up because he normally does. Uh, we are talking to uh, my new friend, Sia, and we've already spent 10 minutes talking before I even hit record. Sia, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jesse. I am so excited. Anytime I can talk about music, I'm game. That sounds great. Well, tell us a little about yourself to start out. Oh, excellent. So I am a former corporate uh, tech sales employee, recovered, I guess, or reformed, whatever you yeah. want to call it. And uh, back in 2018, I started my own podcast production uh, business. And I've been a podcast producer ever since then. So I help people create their own shows. Yeah, we were talking about your Twitter banner is everyone has a story, right? And and I believe, you know, the beautiful thing about podcast is, um, yes, I mean, I guess there's competition, but there really is just everyone finding their own voice and sharing it. And and I tell everyone, yes, I would love to have more downloads. I, I would love that because I'm an ego and I love looking at the numbers and like, oh, yay. But the reality is, you know, what means the most to me is when I get feedback, someone going, gosh, that was a fun conversation. Good job, Jesse. I really liked meeting this person. and just. A couple weeks ago, I had Jeff Smith, who is a member of Parliament, and he's a huge Springsteen fan. Oh, I was so thrilled that, you know, he had tweeted about Bruce and I reached out to him and he said, yeah, sure. And so he he talked and um, after his episode came out, he forwarded me an email from one of his constituents that said that during all this dark time, hearing his legislative representative his member of parliament talking about such a happy subject was like a bright ray of sunshine i'm telling you see that will carry me for six months right <sighs> that, that just right yeah it's the intangibles right yeah. and that's what i think i think podcasting in general is just another medium tool mechanism whatever term you want to call it to connect with other people yeah and, I agree. and that's 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 it and yeah i agree with you you don't have to have a million downloads to be successful I tell all my clients that, especially for those that are niche, I mean, Bruce Springsteen, as the premise of your podcast, could definitely have the assumption that it would be niched, yes. right? But at the same time, all music lovers will appreciate what you're doing as well. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. And that's what I do. And I, um, 
and I also realize that if, because I will talk to people and they'll say, you know, well, what, what do you want to do? And I go, I want to do a podcast. And I first off, I said, then do it. But secondly, you know, a couple of practical things, determine what you're going to talk about, record two or three episodes first to make sure you actually have a broad enough topic to talk about and then um and always have a few in advance because you're going to hit a dry spell and you don't want to be sitting there going holy crap i can't i don't have anything to put out i don't have anything to put out <laughs> oh my goodness i i'm just gonna record yeah we're recording right so i'm just gonna yes. play this to all my clients because i think they're like tired of listening to me say the same thing over and over again so yeah Thank you so much, Jesse. I'm going to take that. <laughs> Very good. All right. So we're going to get back to your new gig, but mm -hmm. the, I always like to start at the beginning. So talk about where did you grow up and what kind of music did your family listen to? Ah, so I grew up in Orange County, California. Okay. Born in Florida though. So I was born in Florida, Orange County and grew up in Orange County, California. So I guess, okay. and funny thing is orange is not my favorite fruit, but that's okay. neither here nor there, but uh, no, uh, my family, oh my goodness, so my parents are older, so, and they were immigrants from Thailand. Okay. And uh, I could say my mom definitely was not Americanized. So I grew up listening to like Thai music from like the 50s and 40s. Right. It was, um, it's very interesting to hear the old time World War II, post-World War II music in another language. And I didn't think twice about it at the time. Um, my sister, my oldest sister was 17 years older than me. And so she really Americanized us, if you will. And she was like my second mother. And I listened to a lot of Holland Oats. She loved mm -hmm. Holland Oats. And yeah, no, Holland Oats, a lot of Holland Oats. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the uh, Carpenters, a lot of Carpenters. You know, what's interesting is there is a, Hall and Oates podcast out of touch. And I have reached out to the two, they are, they are two um, female um, going through, they, they have been friends forever and they have gone to like eight or nine episodes. They're going to go through every uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates song to discuss. And uh, I've reached out to them for them to be on the podcast, you know, to discuss that. So yeah, that, oh that'll be a fun episode. Oh my gosh, that is totally, I can't even begin to tell you. I remember, because again, she was 17 years older than me. So by the time she was yeah. 21, I was like four years old. And I just remember, I think she just tasted alcohol for the first time. She's a bit sheltered. And I, I think yeah. I watched her get like a buzz for the first time. And she's singing Private Eyes over <laughs> and over and over again. I was like, I used to like this song. And I'm just like staring at her going, and she was totally off key. So it was like, yeah. I kind of like this song when the, she's not singing along. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that is awesome. Um, so how about your father? Um, my dad, uh, ooh, uh, um, my dad was more of like musicals, I think. Okay. So he used to like when we grew up, he'd walk around with a mandolin and he would just strum the mandolin like around. We had a pool and he would just we'd be swimming and whatnot. He'd just walk around the pool playing the mandolin and he would uh play a lot of stuff from the sound of music. That's so okay. weird that you're asking me that because what did my dad like? I don't know. Okay. Oh my gosh. I feel horrible now. Sorry, dad. <laughs> it's okay, dad. We we're good. He, she remembered you did the mandolin. Um, Tried so to teach you too. When did you, what, where did, 
where did you find your voice? Where did you find your music then? What talk to me about your teenage years? Is that when you're rebelling and you like your it's is it the radio? What what is it? Do you have older siblings that influenced you? Yeah. So I have two other sisters uh, in between the oldest. And so I'm the fourth one. And uh, my name actually means fourth one in Thai. My dad numbered us. And of course, they stopped that perfection. Okay. Now, <laughs> did are your sisters in Thai one, two, three? Um, the number one was actually a combination of my mom and dad's name. So her name was okay. Hemra. Okay. And then the second sister is Sonia, which does mean second one. And then two and three in Thai sound a lot alike. So it's it would have been Samya. But Sonia Samia sounds a lot alike. So my okay. dad anglicized her name and she became Trya. Okay. And uh, so, and then of course me. Um, but yeah, I would say my sisters influenced uh, my musical taste, but I grew up in Southern California, mind you. So KROQ uh, was a very popular radio station back in the 80s, right? Okay. And so um, that's what really attracted me to the, the alternative music. I was never a pop person just that just wasn't my vibe Mm -hmm. and so yeah i got into depeche mode real fast which by the way i'm wearing a depeche mode t-shirt very nice and uh and of course you can see behind me uh, i'm I'm a big fan of johnny marr so those are like autographed um posters i say i I, look if i can get an autograph from johnny marr i'm going for it (laughs) (laughs) so when you said finding my voice i'm like yeah well when you grew up with four girls in a household you will find your voice very quickly. Otherwise you will not get food or you'll not get heard from the family. Yeah. The, so I grew up uh, in the seventies. I graduated high school in 77 and I was a kid of AM radio, Mm. you know, pop, pop music was everything to me. Uh, It's what I grew up with. And so, and, and the FM station that was what all the druggies listened to, right? Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> instead of top 40, you found the indie station and that's just what cut your teeth on, I guess. Well, I, I really, yes, absolutely did. It's funny that you should say that. So I got into punk. Um, so mm-hmm. I really liked seventies punk, so sex pistols. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then because I grew up in Southern California, there was also skate punk, you know, it's really funny that you should mention that. Uh, so it was more in the punk and then of course in a whole new wave kind of came in with electronic music and that kind of, I started gravitating towards that. Uh, well, but Kraftwerk is in the seventies. Yeah. So I really loved Kraftwerk. Even as a kid, didn't understand it was Kraftwerk. I didn't understand what they were doing, that they were creating these synth instruments with, you know, aluminum foil here and there. It wasn't until mm-hmm. literally like within the last 10 years that I realized I'm like, Oh crap. And not only is Kraftwerk amazing, but they're also part of, the foundation of hip hop, they were sampled quite a bit. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'd like to say I'm old school OG. Mm. There you go. Um, so when you uh, when you went to college, did you continue just expanding more and more in the bands? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, and, and yeah. was did did you ever take a swim in mainstream rock or pop or, you know, like was there is your is your uh, guilty pleasure Barbara Streisand or, you know, or, or Grand Funk Railboat or. You know. Yeah, no, that's so funny. You shouldn't mention that. So you graduated, you said high school in 77, right? So right. I graduated in 76. So she was, would have been. Right. Uh, I think a year older than you, right? Right. Oh, did she graduate 75? Oh my God, I can't. Okay. Don't, don't make me do math. It's very difficult. I understand. Yes. 
I always say just because I'm Asian, don't don't look at me for numbers. <laughs> but um, OK, so uh, I was I mean, I went to college in the 90s. Right. So I graduated okay. in 92. So I was very much into you know, grunge was popular at that point, And the whole yeah. Seattle scene was very popular. But I actually got into uh, the music out of Manchester. So I was really into I was an Anglophile, if you will, in that time. Okay. So I loved the shoegaze music scene and I loved the Manchester music scene. And, you know, um, the, like I said, the Smiths, I've always really adored yeah. New Order. So a lot of alternative mainstream. God, you're making me think about what did I like that was mainstream? I guess if you think about it now, the music I like is mainstream. Yeah, I guess it took time to become mainstream, but mm-hmm. Ooh, what would be a no? I guilty pleasure. Uh, I will say maybe when I was twelve years old because I was impressionable. Uh, Madonna, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess that would be my um, my guilty pleasure except I didn't like her. I only just danced to it because that's all my friends were dancing to her. Right. You you always had an ear for this different it, kind of music. I, I like guitar. Okay. And I like I like reverb. I like the power chords. Again, okay. I think again, I'm a child of the grunge era, right? Sure. So, um, you know, when you were talking about um, you know, Bruce Springsteen in general, like I did yeah. not realize the ghost of Tom Joad. Like mm. I learned that song from Rage Against the Machine. Right. So when I heard the original version of it, I was like, wait, this is not the same song. Like yeah. this is not the same song at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, um, you know, Bruce did a cover of Dream Baby Dream from Suicide, right? And his yeah. version is totally different. And uh, though I did think it was nice, the whoever was the composer of that, I think recently, uh, the past few years, passed away and asked Bruce's version of Dream Baby Dream to be played at his funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, and, you know, there are, like I only know Tom Morella because of the Bruce Springsteen connection. And, mm-hmm. and when he, you know, and a few years ago during one of the last tours, Morella toured with Springsteen wow. and, and, you know, seeing him on stage, cause I got to see him a couple of times with Tom, you could see that no one was having more fun than Tom on stage. I mean, everyone was having fun, but he just was like, pinch me. I can't believe I'm doing this. He's one of the like the best guitarists out there, at least of yes. our age, of our age group of Gen X group. And yeah, so it was funny because I was watching a video. Excuse me, I was watching a video. Um, it was back in two thousand eight or so. Um, which, by the way, my hometown, Anaheim. Yeah. Hills. And uh, so, yay, go back to Anaheim. Um, no, I mean, don't go back. I'm just saying. I understand. Going back to. Yeah. But just watching Bruce Springsteen's face of hearing him play to his song. Yeah. To me, what a gift for both of them, yeah. right? That the, the composer should be gracious enough to let you riff on their song. And yeah. the vice versa is Bruce Springsteen's a legend and yeah. you're playing on stage with him. That's just got to be the coolest feeling. I don't know if you've heard him in the interview, but Morella talks about the first time they were going to do, uh, he was going to do Ghost of Tom Joad with Bruce live, right? And And I don't remember the specifics, but um, there was a debate about which key it was going to be in. Okay. And, um, and Morella tells the story that Bruce says, and I'm going to get this wrong and my musician friends will boo hiss me, but you know, Bruce looked at him and said, we're going to do it in G 
and it's going to be perfect. And Morella <laughs> says, okay, that's why he's the boss. And he says, and we did it in G and it was perfect, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so uh, that's amazing. Um, you, you mentioned you're recovering. So <clears throat> I take it you went to college, you got, you went to the corporate world. Just talk to me a little bit about that and then how you decided to change to do this other thing. Oh, yeah. No, there's a big gap right there. College yeah. and career was a big gap. I actually, growing, growing up in Southern California, I had almost like everyone has a rite of passage almost to work at Disneyland. Okay. <laughs> everyone more or less does. And so what should have been a senior year summer job mm-hmm. turned into a college years uh, of colleging. Yeah. Probably more partying than colleging, if you will. <laughs> so yes. um, I ended up taking a, a semester off, which turned into a three-year hiatus. And, uh, <laughs> yes. I was making way too much money as a college kid. And uh, I, I realized very quickly that I could try to work out a career at working at Disney, going into middle management, food and beverage. I worked at a restaurant called Goofy's Kitchen. Okay. We were the OG. We were the test pilot crew. It was awesome. It was yeah. too much fun and responsibility to give to a bunch of college students. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. And uh, I realized I had to graduate at some point. So I, I did take the leap of faith and I moved pretty much sight unseen to San Francisco. Uh, in 96-ish or so, okay. 98, 98. And uh, at that point, I realized I had to graduate. I had to grow up a little bit more. Yeah. I was having much fun. So I uh, ended up going to San Francisco State, getting my degree. And then I went into IT recruiting. And from there, my buddy got a job at a network security company. And so I shifted over to sales for network security. And from there, I got recruited to work at a company called Hewlett Packard. I'm sure people recognize yeah. that company. And I was doing wonderful data center services and sales. Sure. Yeah. Very sexy conversations, you know? Yeah. And I did that for a good 10 years or so too. So yeah, it's crazy fun. And then I was done. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, right? Cause I am a call center guy in my day job. So I've, I've worked at call centers. 89 was my first true call center job and, and I've been doing it ever since. Um, and, um, I always, you know, you'll hear people talk about like Mary Kay, Mary Kay, you know, I, I went to visit Mary Kay's corporate office here in Dallas and all over the wall is there's quotes and, you know, and, and their purpose is to empower women, right? That, that is their purpose. I was like every job I've ever had up until my new one. And I'm not just saying that is our, our power is to have a better EBITDA this quarter than we were last quarter. I mean, there is no vision. There is no thing. And, and with my current company, we, we offer roadside assistance in the RV industry and our slogan is carefree RVing. And it truly is uh, our owner believes that people who are out enjoying the outdoors if their rv breaks down we take care of them you know and so it's you know which is a really nice to have a purpose because most of my career was just about as you're talking hp whoo sexy let's talk data centers let's talk about you know uh i gotta get average handle time so my agents could have a better first call resolution (laughs) 
so why did you decide to leave corporate world and pursue podcasting and helping people find their voice? I look, my friend, it's great to make money. We all love that. But sometimes at some point you have to find satisfaction in your life. Yeah. And I was not happy. It was it just I lost the lust for sales. I hate to say it. Yeah. And if you cannot be passionate about something, at least for me, my 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 personality is if you can't be passionate or 100 percent behind it, then you probably need to find something else for yourself. And I think I lost my identity. You know, when you do 20 mm-hmm. years of tech sales, you kind of think your identity is within the company yes. you represent, right? And Absolutely. it's a full sense of success, if you will. So I was actually breaking out into hives, mm. Jesse, like for no reason. We'd be on a forecast call. And just imagine if you're on a, a call with a, you know, a client on the other end and all of a sudden your face just turns beet red and it's welted. So you look oh. like fan of the opera and you can't feel it. You don't know why you're just like, and people are like, what's wrong with your face? So it started happening. And um, at one point there was just, I knew the performance of the, this one account that I had wasn't going to be where it needed to be. And I, there was nothing I could do about it because it was an industry issue, not the account issue. Right. And uh, hint, hint, 5G, hurry up and ratify. And that wasn't happening for me. So yeah. I wasn't going to get any orders during that time frame. So I, I, told my bosses, I go, I can't give you what you want. And they're like, well, you have to find a way. And I'm like, with what? Like, you know, what's going on in the industry? Like, how do you want me to do this? So I knew I was in a no-win situation and um, it was very stressful. And uh, like many organizations, there was a downsize and I was part of one of the groups. And uh, I just opted to take the package. I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to exchange one stress for another. So I left the company. And I ended up traveling for a year and a half. And uh, it's almost like when you're free, it, it swings the other way where you went from constantly working to I have nothing but total freedom. And it's like way swinging over this way. And uh, I realized I had champagne tastes on no income yes. budget. So uh, I had to hunker down and figure out what I wanted to do with myself. And then I launched my podcast with my friend who eventually became my business partner. So our podcast at the time was called innovation calling and it was pretty successful and it was a tech-based uh podcast and we realized you can't have cios coming into your closet to do interviews and by then it was pre-pandemic so zoom wasn't used as a tool like that right as right. much. i mean we did use it but we'd rather be in person and um we ended up getting into a partnership with a co-working space we ran all the podcast studios for all their locations. So we went from being a podcaster to now we have a podcast studio business. Well, if you're going to be doing that, you might as well start doing production and post-production. And hence that's where we're at today. That's, that's, that's interesting. What, how many podcasts are your network involved, not network, but your company involved with? I take it across a lot of networks, a lot of indies, a lot of different yeah. people using yeah. your services. Yeah. So gosh, I, I, don't, I haven't even counted. Um, we do a lot of business-based podcasts. So it's not necessarily, they're not necessarily gonna be sitting on networks. A lot of times it's just, a, yeah. you know, we just do the post-production o- oftentimes because of the pandemic, we're doing yeah. a lot of like post-production work where we're not even part of the recording. So we're yeah. trying to like make things sound and look prettier. And that's the other thing. Pandemic has really pushed video yeah. into the world of podcasting. Well, there's something to be said about eye contact, which is yes. very odd because Mm -hmm. 
when I'm listening to you, I'm looking at you, but when I'm talking to you, I actually automatically look to the eye of the camera. Right. And that's, that's one coaching tidbit I often give people is if you're going to be videoing in this format, just yeah. remember to keep looking at the eye of the camera and not at yourself. Right. Yes. How many times you were like, Hey, how you doing? Oh, right. Oh yeah. yeah. It, it's so obvious. You're looking at yourself. It's like, yes. Nice guy. And I met Johnny Marr too, by the way. Yeah. Now, how was that? Because he's one of your idols. Was was it a good experience? 100%. So I actually told this story once on a podcast and I actually said it. Uh, so he came around a few times here in Dallas. Right. And so I'm a groupie like that. I will stick around before the show, hang yeah. out. I see his trailer there and I'll hang out after the show. Well, before the show, um, there was a circle of us and he comes walking out and this and this kid walks up and he is like, hi, will you sign my guitar? And Johnny's like, yeah, of course I will. And then so he signs it. And um, well, I don't think he had his guitar on him. He was like, will you sign my guitar? And he's like, well, where's your guitar? I remember mm-hmm. that's how it went. And the yeah. dad was like, oh, here it is. So gave him the pen. He signs the guitar and he looks at it and he starts playing it. And then he actually stood in front of the kid to say, okay, so he's learn these chords and he started playing like a couple chords of one of their songs and everyone's just standing around like with video camera like crying this kid is so in awe and i think he's now in his 20s by the way so yeah it's yeah. been a few years but uh um oh my gosh one of the greatest stories i love johnny marr he's the nicest person um amazing talent and just a kick-ass oops kick booty guitarist that's okay Okay, here's another question for you then, because yeah. you are on the phone all day long. Have you seen a change or improvement or a change in your communication skills? Um, yeah, I, I think I've always been good because I, like I said, I've been in customer service for over 30 years. And one of the skills you have to develop in customer service is listening and not just waiting for your turn to talk. Um, the other thing is I've, I honestly want to hear people's stories. It is, um, it is fun. Yeah. No, now, how about you? What's some of your things like, that did not go as well, either in production or when you're hosting? That's a story of my freaking life, my friend, dude. Like <laughs> you would think you plug in a microphone, you know, whether it's USB or for, you know, you go, whatever that RJ seven, yeah. I can never get those terms, right. The three big prong thing. Um, clearly I'm a producer. I'm front of the house, by the way, just so yes. clear, <laughs> but uh, I try to edit. I'll, I'll say that much. I'm, I'm good as an average editor, not a professional editor. So just to clarify everyone listening, we have okay. actual staff that edits our stuff, but my own productions, like my own personal vanity project is all me. So you can make fun of it all you want, but I can't tell you how many times where things just don't want to work some days. You're yeah. like, what is going on here? Like, why is like, why is, you know, why is audition acting up and why is my roadcaster being a pooper and like you're adjusting knobs, like turning it on, turning it on again and off. And yeah, no, it's maybe it's me. Cause I'm, I'm though I sold technology, Jesse, let's be clear. I sold it. If I actually solved someone's problem, technically they had bigger issues. 
Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, a bad interview. I have to say, I am a reflection of the person in front of me. Okay. So if the person is subdued and they want to talk about, you know, the chocolate sweaty balls and that monotone, I will try to slow down as much as I can, but I do slow down. I do kind of match that energy and I get a little bit more focused. I'm itching inside, of course, but sometimes some podcasts are more serious, right? The discussion needs to be a bit more appropriate. Right. Or I'm not vibing with the person with me very well. And I'm trying to find a way to match it. And that's, I think that's a, I think that's a um, practice. I think you just have to keep mm-hmm. doing it. I was suggested by someone that we should all as pad- podcast hosts do improv. Yeah. I've, I've heard that too. I could see that. Um, and I, you know, and that's why I kind of focus on, I always send out an agenda, but I go, this is just a starting point. And you know, my favorite are the people who answer all the questions in advance and email me back. And I'm like, no, 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 that's, thank you. I really appreciate it. But, you know, I'm not going to read this now because I want the, you know, I'm not as bad as Larry King. They used to say Larry King would never read the book or anything so that he could be spontaneity with the, uh, you know, his guest. But I like, I don't, you know, I, I will, if you have something specific, you go, oh, be sure and ask me about this, Jesse, you know, then I will. But yeah, I, yeah. I kind of do that. No, I stopped. Uh, I stopped doing the 10 questions like in advance. Yeah. Because I, those were, you would typically be the worst interviews because they see, oh, this is the next question. This is the next question. And they start answering all the questions before you can even ask them. Right. And it becomes a monologue, right? Yeah. And that's I, not good. I, I recommend to our clients, depends on the personality, of course, right? But I personally do like themes or a topic and just keep it high level. And then it's my responsibility to learn how to dig in based on the yeah. responses, right? But yeah, oh, I will not do the 10 questions again. I, I mean, again, I know it's dependent on the person, but I've been ramrod by two nervous people like where they just get jittery and they just vomit. Yeah. What, what do you find most of, how do you help your clients the most? What do you, is there a common theme that they feel like they need? You feel like almost everyone could needs this in their tool bag for you to help them. Really find out who you are. Right. Why is when you're doing this podcast, right? And, and I know it sounds so like, uh, you know, everyone's saying, find your why, find your why. But the truth of the matter is, if you don't know what your inspiration for something is, it's not the, I want to get a million downloads or I want a hundred million dollar contract, right? That's all the what's, those are what's what you want to achieve. The why is what gets you up in the morning where you're really having a poopy day and you're like, you know what? I need to record something, right? Or I have to, or I'm, maybe you already had a pre-planned recording. Like, let's say you had the worst day today and then you're like, oh, poo, I've got to call Sia or yeah. and we're talking today, right? Yeah. Your why will usually be your inner fuel source to help you overcome raw emotions like that. Because emotions typically are temporary. Your why is your soul. 
And, and I usually challenge my uh, clients to always say, write down why you're doing this. Cause I assure you hundred percent of the time, there's going to be times they'll look at me and say like, dude, I don't want to do this, especially businesses. <laughs> yeah. We got to really hone them in on what is your message as far as what is it that your organization really wants to convey and what's the passion around it. And so, yeah, 100%, what's your why? And I know people think it's weird. Maybe call it hippy dippy, but I swear to God, the ones that actually nail it are the ones that are still broadcasting today. Well, it's because it's something that you're passionate about and you care about, right? Yeah. And, and there's nothing more glorious to me when making another human connection of yeah. someone that you don't even know, right? Right. Like, I don't know you, you know, we could have literally drove by each other today and not have exactly. a freaking clue. Right. Right. And that's the, the weirdest thing about, I think now what the world needs now is love. Sweet. Yes. Love. So, you know, by the way, that's another thing you'll find about me as we get to know each other. I always have a song in my head. So if there's a lyric or a phrase, I will start singing that song. So it might be distracting and annoying to you. Just warning you in advance. I will probably love that. Um, Funny. Oh my gosh. You know, you know, what you should do is dude. I don't know if you've done, you probably have done this. Did yeah. you dress up as Bruce Springsteen for Halloween? I did not do that. Um, in f- uh, what we did this last Halloween is, are, are you familiar with Ted Lasso? Yeah. Well, okay. I've not seen, but I'm, I'm familiar. Okay. All right. So my boss grew a beard and he was coach beard and then one of my co-workers grew a mustache and he was Ted Lasso and I am Higgins. So I wore a suit and I wore in, so we three of us dressed up as Lasso. Um, I, my office has um, a big Superman poster and then a, a wall of Rolling Stone covers with Bruce. So when people similar to what your background is, when I'm doing a Zoom call at work, they can see that, you know, I've got all this. I've wore at a for an 80s dance, I wore a Bruce Springsteen t-shirt and a red bandana. So and they said it was doing that. So yeah. Got it. Well, it's something you just reminded and triggered in my head. Yeah. Um, so I went to London with uh when in one of my travels, I was into genealogy. Okay. I picked up a hobby. That was one of the big things. When I left corporate, I was like, what is my identity? What, that right. was a very surreal moment in life when you think you're a normal person and you're like, wow, I have zero hobbies in life. That was very sobering. And I decided to pick up genealogy and I did my boyfriend's family. And so we ended up going to England and Ireland to literally trace his family roots. And we actually found um, headstones of like relatives and stuff from like 1690s. Wow. Pretty, that's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Pretty freaking cool. Anyway. Yeah. We did go to Abbey Road and I ended up buying and you just reminded me it should be hanging. I bought this um, like uh, the the song sheet for I think it was Let It Be and it's okay. and it's like numbered like and I don't know where the hell I put it. Oh, no. <laughs> no, you need to find that. I know yeah. I spent money on that one, too. I don't know where I put it. Oh, my gosh. It's been a few years, too. I never said I was smart with my stuff. <laughs> where do you, uh, when you're, when you're going to see before the pandemic, where did you like to go for live music here in Dallas? Everywhere. Really? I was, I have way too many t-shirts that's healthy for a human. I think okay. I probably have over 300 t-shirts. Okay. And um, so everywhere. So yes, the answer is yes. Um Wow. I mean, even, you know what, the next logical question is, okay, which is your favorite venue, right? 
Yes. The answer is yes. If I can okay. see a band play, it could be like on the lawn in someone's backyard. It'll be my favorite concert ever. Like okay. it's, so, it's so bad, but I will say one of my top concerts is not even in any genre that I like. Like okay. you would think it would have been like, Oh, Depeche Mode, definitely a top sure. for sure. Smashing Pumpkins for sure. Top uh, Paul McCartney. I took my mom's, my mom and my boyfriend's mom to the, when they were playing in the Ranger Stadium. Okay. 16th row center, by the way. Wow. I'm just the best daughter ever. You are anyway. the best daughter. Yes. <laughs> it was my mom's first concert ever, too. So oh, how fun. it was really special. I figured if you're going to spend money, make that for your mom. Yeah. Um, Dolly Parton in the Nokia Theater in um, Grand Prairie. Yeah. And I think it was the theater I like. I like, I don't think it's called Nokia Theater anymore. It's called something else. Yeah. But, I mean, they changed Smirnoff. No, it's not Smirnoff. It's whatever it is. Yeah. Dolly Parton, though, I, I was so impressed by her with her long nails. I think we were in the fourth row. I think, yeah, my girlfriend and I, um, we, we bought each other's tickets for our birthdays. We're four days okay. apart. So we sat there and just watched her she's just amazing it's such a great soul her energy was so perfect she was playing i think i counted 11 different instruments wow and i was just like i i'm good if i don't see another concert i think i'm good she was the apex i thought so yeah dolly part is my favorite concert though so i i went to nokia for my second bruce show Mm. uh my um he was doing his devils and dust tour so this would have been probably 2005, 2006. And um, I got, my wife like, had went and we, we saw Bruce the first time in 2002, the rising tour. And uh, she was like, you know, he didn't play anything she knew. She's like, you know, I, I'm fine, go. And so I got a ticket and see it. It was, you know, the lower of Nokia, the very back row there was a pillar to my left and my seat was by itself in the aisle, right? Like if there was just truly one of the worst seats you could have. Yeah. Were you behind that pillar? No, I wasn't. The pillar was just like, you know, I had this one seat by myself and uh, a guy comes up and says, Hey, do you want a better seat? And I'm like, Oh no, 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 I'm good. And then all of a sudden it hit me because you're used to, scalpers right coming to you but i'm like wait a minute i'm already in the venue yeah this can't be a scalper so i went to him i said do you still have a ticket oh yeah sure so i got in the ticket and as i say um i did not have i had better tickets than babe loffenberg but not as good as daryl johnston to give to Dallas sports uh, celebrities. Uh, So I was in the fourth or fifth row to see Bruce and it was just him, his guitar and a keyboard. And, uh, and it was, it was a really amazing show. Um, So I, yeah. So I take it. You've not seen Bruce perform live. No, I would say this. If, if I would imagine though, I've never would say like, Oh, I love Bruce Springsteen. I assure you. I'd be like, that was a rocking show. I, I'd imagine yeah. he puts on an amazing live show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. I, feel like, I feel kind of bad. Like, I haven't seen him live. I've seen everyone else, it seems like. I've seen, I mean, Fleetwood Mac. Like, yeah. I wasn't an ACDC fan, but man, live. I, we got to see it at American Airlines. 
Mm-hmm. And um, at the time I worked at HP, so I had the suite. So yeah. Clients. Nice. The ticket gatekeeper knew that I was a huge music person. Yeah. So whenever there was a, a suite that no one ever wanted to go to the concert, she'd always just like email me. She's like, hey, do you have clients? And 99% of the time I did. Sure. And yeah. The only one I regret taking advantage of that was, and my boss made me go because he needed help. I yeah. found out after the fact, but uh, Justin Bieber, holy smokes. It was so loud in American Airlines. I just like, yeah, I ended up having to like water down paper, just shove it in my ear. It was so obnoxious. <sighs> Who surprised you the most of, of your shows? Um, outside of Dolly Parton, but I yeah. shouldn't have been surprised. I think I was surprised by how I reacted to it. Right. I wasn't surprised that she was going to be a, you know, goddess, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Who would have surprised me? I mean, geez. Who is someone you've been chasing for a long time and all of a sudden then you finally got a chance to see him? Oh, wow. All the bands. I was so poor in my 20s. I loved music, but I could never go see them. And I lived in L.A. I lived in California. So there was opportunities for me to go see bands in L.A. And I did see some, you know, on the Sunset Strip. I did get my L.A. experience. I just didn't get to do a lot of it, unfortunately. So now that I'm in my 40s, I'm doing that second round of them coming around. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I've been able to see all my favorite 80s. Um, So maybe, oh, pop. Howard yeah. Jones, he's poppy, right? Yeah. From poppy. Yeah. Um, so uh, I had, I've made way too many friends with musicians over the years again because I go to so many concerts, but like, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, the motels. Uh, yeah. That was really good. Bow Wow Wow. Um, oh my gosh. Michael's going to kick my butt. What's his name? When in Rome. Yeah. Um, that was like a one hit wonder song band. Yeah. Sorry, Michael, but your music's good, but. You guys are yeah. just known for the promise. That's yes. the song. And it got popular because of uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Right. Of course. Oh, Ride. Ride is like one of my fav- favorite shoegaze bands out of England. And okay. meeting those guys were amazing. Gracious guys. One of a local band that I was really loving. I saw them in my 20s. And then, and of course, we're not going to remember. It's been 20 odd years. Yeah. Uh, is a band out of Scranton, Pennsylvania. And it's, uh, oh my gosh, I'm looking at the Ocean Blue. Okay. And the lead singer is a lawyer. So when they're not touring, he's a lawyer. How fun. Yeah. No, it's crazy because he's like, yeah, the music is not going to pay the bills. And so he became a lawyer. So I don't know exactly what kind of law he practices, but um, it's, it's always so fun. The secondary careers. Yeah. Have. Who haven't you seen that you want to see? Besides Bruce, obviously. Obviously, Bruce. <laughs> I mean, look, no, I, I, if I could show you my list, I did research and prepared for you because I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to be boring for you. But like, um, I haven't seen there's, well, there's a lot of that past, like Tom Petty. Oh, there we go. That's a mainstream. Yeah. Tom Petty, I never got to see live. Right. Prince, I never got to see live. That, but he's not a guilty secret. Prince is just amazing. Yeah, sure. Um, David Bowie, I never got yeah. to see him live. Um, let's see, uh, rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. I never got to see Foo Fighters live, right? Um, gosh, who else have I haven't seen live? I, I pretty much I've got 300 concert t shirts. I don't know what that tells you. Go see a lot of shows. Um, you make me excited. Um, so are you going to uh, do you just have them on rotation? My shirts, the shirts. Oh, it's so bad. It's like, you'll know 
that I haven't done laundry when it gets wrinkler, wrinklier and wrinklier because they're at the bottom of the <laughs> drawer. <laughs> you know, you can always make them into a quilt. There are services that do that, that if you send them all your T-shirts, they will build a quilt for you. Okay, that would assume I don't wear them anymore. I absolutely okay. It's like now that I left corporate America, mama is in t-shirts and yoga pants at home or yoga or not yoga or t-shirt and jeans walking out the door. Yes. Um, yeah. No, nice. I, I've always been a t-shirt and jeans person. I, I don't care for fashion. My sister used to call me fashion tragedy growing up. So that yeah. tells me about my fashion sense. So, and I think, you know, after you're outside of like, you know, corporate world, you don't care what people think of you as much. And again, I was in sales. So obviously different. Yeah. Perspective, but yeah, I stopped doing my nails. Like I only put makeup on because, you know, the whole pandemic has forced us to look at ourselves a little bit differently. Right. I don't want to offend or scare you. So I do put makeup on for that. So no, no, that's okay. How about songs albums do you have anthems that you go to when you're when you're struggling and you need to be pumped up or or, you know when you're sad that you go to or do you have those you know it's so funny the dj in my head will spin and it will suit my mood and whatnot but there are a couple songs that always gets me happy so um funny thing that when you mentioned the first time it popped in my head it's a song by management mgmt and it's called electric feel Okay. I don't know why it's got that little retro like groove, like a seventies ish kind of groove. Yeah. Um, and it's a really fun song to cheer me up, but I also have this like weirdness where I like, again, cause I love Depeche Mode, New Order and the Smiths. The Smiths is not considered happy, jolly music by right. any of the imagination, but yet last night I dreamt somebody loved me and it kind of like, cheers me up. I don't actually know no, that not that one. That one actually, that's when I like want to blast and, yell at my boyfriend but um there's this one that's called there's a light that never goes out by the smiths and i don't know why but it always lifts me up the other one is a peter Schilling song okay and it's um what's it called major tom okay and it's such a little poppy little great song and it's not the most positive song it's about a guy that's thinking he's gonna die in space and so mm-hmm. yeah but then he makes it back. It, it was supposed to be a uh, uh, homage to paying homage to uh, David Bowie's uh, right. Stardust days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Um, what is yours? What you- uh, well, uh, I. Which, wait, maybe I should ask this. Which Bruce Springsteen song cheers you up, Jesse? <laughs> so I. Um, I have Better Days, which is a song that he did during the dark years when he had disbanded the E street band before he got them back together. And uh, it's a song that um, talks about these are the better days. And, and the whole premise to me, what he's talking about is that when too many people um, always, well, after I get out of sales, then I'm going to be happy. You know, after I close the big deal, then I'm going to be happy. And, um, you know, there's um, the like it the starts while well, my soul checked out missing as I sat listening to the hours and minutes ticking away. I'm sitting around waiting for my life to begin while it was all just slipping away. Mm. I'm tired of waiting for tomorrow to come 
or that train to come rolling down the bend. I've got a new set of clothes, a pretty red rose, and a woman I can call my friend. These are better days. He's such a lyricist. Does he yes. write his own music? He does, right? Yes, yes, that he was, does. That was one thing when I was like uh, researching for today. I didn't realize how many words he had in a song. Yeah. I'm like, verse five, verse six. I'm like, holy smokes, dude. Like, like he's got an incredible memory. So, uh, you know, he still, he does a teleprompter now, you know, at 71 when he toured, the last time he toured. He tells the story uh, in Apple TV. There is a documentary they filmed when he was recording his latest album called Letter to You. They told the story that in his early days at Columbia, someone came to him and said, uh, I heard we sent your album to someone and they said that if you aren't careful, you're going to run out of the alphabet. <laughs> and that was Bob Dylan. Oh my, oh, oh my God. Wow. Yeah. So he told that story and kind of laughed about himself. Uh, the other <laughs> song, uh, Land of Hope and Dreams, is a song that he had written uh, that is um, one of my, so those are my two favorite Springsteen songs. The first song that I think about when, whenever on Twitter someone says, what song brings you joy? Walking on Sunshine, but Katrina and the Waves. I do not know why, but that's always like the first song that I just like, just hearing that, that just 80s song, you know? Got the perfect 80s bop beat. Yeah, it right? does. It just, it always makes me smile. I don't know why. So, it's a great song. I like that song. Yeah. Um, what's next for you with uh, the company and the podcast? What are you guys going to do next? Well, you know, I'm, ex- I mean, I'm waiting for my hundred million dollar deal right now. So, sure. Um, you know, we're kind of negotiating it right now. Yeah, um, I get it. You know, so we're just kind of laying low. Just kind Same of for me. I'm waiting for, you know, a big podcast network to pick me up so I can, you know, do this full time. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, it's funny. You know, you when you'd mentioned that we do run a network, um, we run two, actually. We're launching one and then we have another one. But it's we partnered up with a uh, esports uh, media okay. company. So we actually produce a podcast for this. Uh, that's all things esports. And uh that's that's been an interesting thing because uh i can't say i'm a gamer per se yeah. but i am the biggest cheerleader of the gaming industry and right. specifically because i think that industry is really going to be the future of uh entertainment i think it's going to replace traditional um sports entertainment as we see it today okay so that's my that's my foot in the sand or whatever you want to call it the your hot sports opinion yeah my my yeah by the yeah. way anyone that knows me knows i am not talking about sports beyond the fact that i can name yeah. maybe what they are right right but but i do think the traditional venues for entertainment is going to have to include some level of esports space yes because the demographic is evolving right that's i agree bottom line. if you um, ask my son who's 32 what's his favorite songs he will name wrestling theme songs wrestling entrance music that is well hey that's a lot of 80s yeah, it is. Now, I mean, he he loves, you know, he 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 loves hip hop and and, you know, and and he he went to Texas, he went to school in East Texas. So he has a lot of country music he loves. But, you know, by far, you know, he listens to a lot of, you know, wrestling entrance songs and music. So you just triggered me. I have my answer. What surprised me? Yeah. Went to go see Steve Martin. 
So I took okay. uh, my boyfriend's mom and it was Steve Martin and um, Martin Short. Okay. We were on tour a few years ago and I knew about Steve Martin and his banjo. I didn't realize he was bringing his band. Yeah. And it was basically turned into like a part concert thingy. Like he did a few songs with them and I was just stunned at his musicianship and just bad assery of it all. So I bought their CD um, and I bought a t-shirt. I brought a t-shirt. Shocking. Well, of course. Yeah. Duh. Um, it's actually that CD is in my, um, which is funny because my car had a CD player. I'm like, why after all these years? But I don't question, but it's still in there as we speak. I haven't never taken it out. So there you go. Steve Martin with my pleasant. Wow. Surprise. That's pretty amazing. All right. I have kept you way too long. So I'm going <laughs> to insert all this in. Um, do you want to like do a proper closeout or? Yeah, you- I'm going to do that before I've got to, I asked you the Mary question. I'm going to end with a Mary question, uh, but any, um, I'll put this in any final thoughts before I ask you the Mary question. <laughs> oh my God. I just literally just went massively blank. I'm like, Oh crap. Uh, final thoughts. Okay. <clears throat> I'm sure you're going to cut this out and all that. Yes. Stuff. Or if keep it in, I don't care. Okay. My final thoughts on this. And I think you and I've, been able to articulate this in our conversation is that the I'm a podcaster, I'm a podcast producer. So from a branding perspective, you know, we're talking a lot about podcasting and whatnot. What I'd hope and I'd like to leave people with this thought is have a conversation, be you, know what you're why you're doing something and everything else will follow. And there's beauty in imperfection. And I think you and I pretty much were like the perfect examples. And heaven yes. knows how much editing you're going to be doing, Jesse. You may not like me after this one. Oh, I, I already love you. And I will do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if you are want to see his nephews or nieces and or a client and you want to hear her talking music, um, Thank you for listening to Set Lessing Bruce. I end every episode with the Mary question. Uh, Jay Armstrong is a recently retired honors English teacher. He has a new book out, Bedtime Stories for the Living. Uh, But he would spend two days with his honors English class breaking apart the song Thunder Road. They would look at the lyrics. They would talk about the themes of the song. And at the end of the two days, he would ask the question, does Mary get in the car? Your homework, Sia, hopefully you did. If not, I will edit all this out, is to listen to Thunder Road and then answer the question, does Mary get in the car? So I have listened. I have taken notes. I had my initial impression. And then I was like, hmm, there's something deeper on this because this guy's got like, you know, 50,000 like letters and words. Let me reread it and reevaluate. So my first gut and impression was, she doesn't go with him. And I actually was thinking more along the line, just some of the words were just like, mm, the boys you sent away, like just the fact she kind of played hard to get. And then I thought about it and I reread it and some of the lines really jumped out at me. So I was like, maybe I need to like Shakespeare this out a little bit more. And so I couldn't help but think of, and this is so bad. I'm going to reference another song, movie, whatever, Grease. Remember okay. at the very end where they go and they they get in the car after the fair and then they mm-hmm. she floats away off into the the sunset. Well, there's like a theory that she died and she never they never she died on that beach when he saved her. 
Right. That she was in heaven. This is like just her final thoughts before she was off to heaven. And I got that same vibe after reading the lyrics on this. And the reason why I say she does end up going with him is because I'm wondering if he is like a like angel taking her away because he says the doors open, but the ride, it ain't free. And then he was talking about the, but tonight we'll be free. All the promises will be broken. So non-committal. And then he uses the word ghosts right after up in the follow. So again, I'm already getting a vibe of passing. And then he starts using these like passing type words, ghosts, haunt, skeleton. And so in my mind's eye, this song is about, hey, you've had a lovely life. He said you were pretty before. You're all right now. I think this song is about uh, crossing over and he's escorting her to the other side. And uh, so she does choose to go with him to to uh, move on to a future life in heaven. I absolutely adore that answer. That is, I've never had that one before. And that is absolutely amazing, right? Um, You know, don't run back inside, darling. You know what I'm here for. You know, so you're scared and you're thinking that maybe we aren't that young anymore. Show a little faith. There's magic in the night. I I, I absolutely love that, that this is... um, you know, Angel. one of my one of my favorite songs is Sarah Hickman, you know, from Austin, the musician, you know, and uh, Chet Brodsky does a song. Uh, we are each other's angels. Mm-hmm. And there is and we meet when it's time. I, I absolutely love the idea that um, the singer of the song is an angel and coming to take her home. That that's I mean, that's some deep shit. <laughs> <laughs> Look, people, I know I am like really like a spaz and I know and like, by the way, I have not had any coffee or alcohol. I'm just kind of like this naturally, but I've been told not to drink any uh, (laughs) coffee, but I don't know why it just every now and then some things will come out to me and, you know, it's my deep moment. And uh, this is like this song really kind of the more I kept listening and reading the words. I'm like, holy crap. I think he's the angel of death bringing her home. And I think when you said, and that was an interesting dish, does Mary go with him? I was like, wait a minute, is this like a, like a test? And then yeah. I was all proud of myself. Cause I was like, I think I nailed it. I think I got this. So anyway. No, uh, um, Jay was on the podcast, like my first year and he talked about this, you know, he did a class and I was first off, I wish I had attended that class, right? I would love to be in your English class. And uh, so I, I started asking it with everyone. Uh, about 60% of the people say, yes, she gets in the car. About 40% say she doesn't. Uh, there's been uh, a lot of different answers. One of my favorite is another podcaster, Bex, had never heard the show song, didn't play the song, just read the lyrics and said that, oh, my God, if she gets in the car, he's going to kill her. She read them as if he was threatening her and that, you know, uh, and so it, it, she was, she was hilarious. Cause she was like, you know, she read the song and made it all this nor, you know, this murder mystery. So, um, yes. Can I just say one other thing? So sure. I've been getting into body language. Yeah. A lot lately. So if you're ever bored or you and your wife ever want to have a lively debate with one another, check out the behavior panel on okay. YouTube. Okay. I actually interviewed one of the guys. These are behavior panel experts. And 
maybe because I've been hanging here and watching all the videos on stuff that maybe my perspective um, is skewing, right? The way, and I think that's how lyrics are in general, right? Oh, it's absolutely. Where your head space is at that point mm-hmm. and how you receive it. So Bex, I hope she's okay. Yes. Um, and I hope it's, uh, you know what? She sounds like someone that's a very, um, like you, she's aware of her surroundings and that it's yeah. like, you can't trust, you know, where I'm saying, don't fear the reaper. Another great yeah. song. Uh, I yes. think she's saying, you know, <laughs> heck no. <laughs> yeah. Well, her her podcast is um, she came. Uh, she is uh, an academic okay. and her and her husband have a two year old. And so they started the podcast. And so they look at children's material from an academic perspective, because that was the only way they could stay sane. At the 50th time they've watched, you know, uh, Frozen. <laughs> so, yeah. so she overanalyzes stuff and she goes, and that's, that's our shtick, right? So uh, that's why I read that. This is great. Um, if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way to do it? Don't. I'm kidding. Okay. No, no. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm actually, I live on LinkedIn. So you can always find me on LinkedIn. Literally, you guys, just, if you just Google S-Y-Y-A space, podcast i swear to god you'll i will pop up there's not a lot of syyas in the world um so you can absolutely reach me but i'm typically on linkedin i i'm not big of a i'm not a tweeter too much i'm not that i kind of have a love-hate relationship with that um but i am at i am s yasso okay um but yeah you can always find me on linkedin that's pretty much because my business is in um my Business is focused on business, so you'll always find absolutely me. very nice. Or if you're really bored, you can find me on Facebook. Okay, which is where you and I connected. I know. Wait, shout absolutely. out to the podcast movement community. Yes, indeed, absolutely, listeners. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Stay safe. Go get vaccinated. Go get boosted, and let's all be kind to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. Thank you, Sia. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. This podcast would not be possible without the generous support of my patrons. I want to give a special shout out to Mary Thomas, Terry Smith, Bella Pori, John Munson, Dale Hozak, Andrew Goddard, Stephen Malio, Anna Lynn, Betsy Hodges, Holly Mack, Chris Bloom, Captain America, and Crystal Carroll. I appreciate you guys so much and thank you for the support. And if you want a shout out on the podcast you can be in patreon for as little as a dollar a month let me hear from you doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation and i hate that so please let me know what you like and don't like about the work i'm doing you can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com the show is on Twitter at SetLustingBruce, and my personal Twitter is at JesseJacksonDFW. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts as well as other music themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, 
and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.